Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver. And if you're looking for all things horror or horror-related, you've come to the right place. Uh, This episode, I'm going to be talking about uh, TV horrors. And uh, there's been tons and tons of made-for-TV horror movies throughout the years. Um, Some are more sci-fi-ish, some are more fantasy. Obviously, with uh, with cable being so prominent, there's tons and tons of uh, of movies that are churned out on an almost weekly basis. It seems on like stuff like the Sci-Fi Channel and uh, and and those FX and all that stuff. But I'm focusing more on older movies, of course, as I usually do. But uh, and I've seen some really good recent made-for-TV horror, but I'm going to be focusing more on old stuff that, at this point, to me, is is classic. Uh, movies that you'd be surprised were not made for a theatrical release. Uh, that's one thing with a lot of the movies that come out now on TV. They have, they, they have this TV feel. They have um, you know, that over, overproduced, glossy, shot-on-HD, yet low-budget feel. Again, I, I go back to the Sci-Fi Channel. So many of their movies have that feel that they, you know, some a small committee banged out some generic script about a couple monsters fighting, and they hired a cheap effects company to do the CGI. Some some has been actors, and you know, a one or two week shooting schedule, and a couple months later, bada bing, you got a movie. And so that's not what these are. The ones that I'm going to be focusing on today are well-crafted and uh, just fantastic movies. And I'm going to start with uh, the oldest one of the bunch, and that would be Steven Spielberg's Duel that was made in 1971. And this movie was so well-received that... Uh, it actually did get a theatrical release, from what I hear, after it premiered on television. I believe that they shot some extra footage for it, and it uh, it got itself in in the movies. And hence, off Steven Spielberg, Spielberg went to uh, you know to even bigger and better things. Uh, and what's cool is that this is essentially Jaws, but with a semi. Um, it's uh, it's. Very, very uh, minimalist, which I love. I love the minimalist feel of the movie. It's basically just a guy driving his car that starts getting harassed by a dude in a semi. And that's it. That's the storyline. There's uh, almost no other actors other than, I mean, there's some side actors, but they're almost, uh, you know, patrons in a small diner restaurant or a gas station attendant or, you know, his wife on the phone. So it's just very... You know, there's not many actors in it that actually have speaking lines. And in fact, uh, the main protagonist here that's being hunted down by this big semi, uh, Dennis Weaver, he, uh, a lot of what you'll hear in the movie is just his thoughts of, you know, why is this happening? What is going on? What did I do to this guy? Uh, the semi is big and ominous and looming. And to me, it the semi reminds me of uh, of the truck that... Victor Salva used in Jeepers Creepers, and I, I can't imagine that he didn't uh, that he didn't pay uh, pay some respect to Duel in the creation of 
his truck for the creeper in that movie. Although that's more of a, just a truck. This is a big semi, uh, but I mean, it's a, it's a chase movie, but the way Spielberg shot the thing, it feels big budget. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me. This is Steven Spielberg, even back in his early twenties. Um, but it's, it's shot so well, um, really tight, close shots of the semi, uh, and like the wheels and it, all that, that's all it takes to create this sense of dread and feeling that uh, you're going to get run over by this big Mack truck. So uh, cool ending, cool movie. I thoroughly, thoroughly dug it. And again, this was a made for TV movie, but it got such high praise that uh, it was released in theaters. Then it aired on November 13th, 1971. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an old movie, but um, you know it's it's a, it's a classic. It's not my favorite uh, Steven Spielberg movie, but it is it's up there and it's it's immensely uh, watchable. So anyway, next up that that's the first one. Uh, next up, I'm going to go with uh, Salem's Lot. And this is based off of a Stephen King novel, probably my third favorite book that I've ever read. And the first two books, uh, my, my favorite books are Stephen King's The Stand and uh, Stephen King's It. And then third would be this tale of vampires in a small town, overtaking a small town, Salem's Lot. And uh, this movie is fantastic. Toby Hooper directed it. And, you know, I've, I've given Toby Hooper a lot of flack through the years. Because I've seen some bad movies that he's made. And I'm like, man, that guy doesn't make that many good movies. Actually, yeah, he did make a lot of good movies. Uh, it's just he made a kind of like Dario Argento. They were, most of them happened in the 70s and up through the mid-80s. And then things started to dry up. Uh, but uh, Toby Hooper, I mean, we were talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre Parts 1 and 2. Life Force. Uh, even Invaders from Mars has its has its good points. Um uh, Poltergeist. Now, granted, Poltergeist. There's a big backstory with Poltergeist, as in, did uh, did Spielberg direct that? Because there was there was tension behind the scenes with Steel, with Spielberg and uh, and Toby Hooper. So uh, anyway, and he also did the very very underrated Funhouse, which if you haven't seen that, that is a great creature feature from like 1980, and it's kind of a slasher movie, but kind of not. It, it's played more for uh, more of a family-friendly feel to the movie. Great movie. I, I love the thing. It's a it holds up extremely well. But anyway, that, Toby Hooper. That's that's uh, talking about directors. My favorite directors. That's for another time. Uh, for now, though, Salem's Lot. Uh, I I read the book before I watched the movie, and the the book is so good. Um, I'm actually going to read the back of the of the DVD that I've got here. Um, blood-curling shocker based on the novel by Stephen King, directed by Tobe Hooper, sends the time-honored vampire legend soaring on bat wings into the modern era. Sinister events bring together a writer fascinated with an old hilltop house, a suave antiques dealer whose expertise goes beyond bric-a-brac, and a dealer's mysterious pale-skinned partner. The solid supporting cast of vampires, victims, and fighters include, and then there's a bunch of different, you know, they have actors here. I'm not going to get into who they actually are. Um... But I, I never watched this movie because I was like, ah, it's like it's almost three hours long, and it's 
a TV movie from the 70s, and it's Toby Hooper directed it, and, and a lot of Stephen King adaptions are not that good. So I read the book, and I, I could not put this thing down. It is so good. It's almost like it's vampires crossed with a little bit of zombie-type goings-ons, kind of. Um, but it's so well-paced, and it's so scary, and it, it's it's timeless. Like... Yeah, you know it's it's from the seventies, but it it's not like oh this this book is dated. It's not at all. Well, then I had to watch the movie. Well, the first one that I watched was um, the Rob Lowe movie from two thousand four, I believe, is when that one was made. I watched that, and what a mess. I mean, another one of those movies to where you're like, oh, there's there's so many changes to the book, and they had the right amount of running time that they could have done it right, but it's like. The, why? Why would you change that from the book? It even for people that haven't read the book, the changes don't work, and um, and it's over. You know, it's overly glossy, and it's it. I think it's a, I think it was a sci-fi channel movie, which doesn't surprise me. Um, I suppose if you wouldn't have read the book, it was worthy of maybe one watch, but that's pushing it. It's not good. Um, however. The original movie from 1979 is a classic. It is so, so good. And it's so scary. It's amazing that this movie was, uh, was a made-for-TV movie. And, and granted, it's not that gory, but kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one, it's, uh, it's implied. And that's what makes it so uncomfortable is you know what these creatures are doing, and the head vampire looks so badass in this thing. Oh, it's he's so nasty looking and uh, almost more of a demon type creature than an actual uh, than an actual vampire. But oh man, it was so good. Um, so the budget of this movie was four million dollars, and in 1979. That was a large, large budget, um, especially for a made-for-TV movie. But uh, it was split into two 90-minute parts, so it was you know a, a, a two-parter. Um, it aired on November 17th and the 24th in, two, in uh, 1979. And again, it was extremely well-received, and they actually came out with a an edited version of it that was more for like home video and theater, like a a movie movie instead of this long sprawling epic TV show, um, which I have never watched that version, nor will I, I, there's absolutely, absolutely no reason to watch that, uh, with, with this movie here. It's, it's, I love epic horror movies and this has that epic horror movie feel just like the shining Shawshank redemption, uh, the green mile. Those have that epic, horror movie feel that is so lacking in so many of these types of movies. And this is one that I would say, even if you're not a big horror fan, I would still say, check it out. Uh, Cause it is so well made and it, you know, it was made in the late seventies. And so it has that late seventies feel uh, that, that it just is so cool. The acting is good. You like the characters. Uh, the villain is, is despicable and, and so cool. Um, I am surprised it's a TV movie because it, it's another one like Duel. It doesn't feel like a TV movie. It feels like the planets aligned. And in 1979, Toby Hooper made this humongous theatrical movie 
uh, that was three hours long. But he didn't. It was made for TV. So anyway, uh, highly, highly recommended. In fact, that might... Well, I don't want to say that's my favorite one because there's every one that I've picked out for the the best movies, the best horror movies for for TV. Uh, they're all equally awesome. So Salem's Lot, huge thumbs up. Now, Duel has gotten a Blu-ray release, but it's only in a box set with some other Steven Spielberg movies. And being as I've got half of them already in standalone release, I haven't bought the box set. But I'm hoping that eventually uh, this movie gets its own independent release from Universal. So we shall see. And Salem's Lot, I heard that Warner Brothers is working on an HD master for this for streaming. And if that's the case, I would not be surprised at all if eventually that thing does see the light of day on Blu-ray, which I would be all for. Uh, I'm, as you know, I'm a huge fan of physical media. Now, that's one that I would love. I actually bought the DVD. I don't buy DVDs, but I bought the DVD of this after reading the book because I had to have this in my collection. So uh, anyway, great stuff. Um, next up, I'm going to skip forward uh, quite a bit, and I'm actually going to talk about... Um, the Blair Witch Project. Now, the Blair Witch Project obviously is not a made-for-TV movie. It is a theatrical release that did gangbusters. That kicked off the found footage movie uh, because of its success, and it still it still lives on to this day. So, um, I I still love the movie, um, and I still watch it from time to time. What I'm going to be talking about, though, is, uh, and this is barely considered a movie, but I'm going to include it on here just because I enjoyed it so much. And this was on the Sci-Fi Channel in 1999 uh, to coincide with the Blair Witch Project movie. They had they came out with The Curse of the Blair Witch. And uh, the movie itself is, and it was directed by Eduardo Sanchez uh, and Daniel Merrick, the directors of, of Blair Witch Project. And it's only 44 minutes long, so I know it's it's... This is pushing it to include this in movies, but I thought it was so good that I wanted I wanted to include it. Um, it's a documentary about the the legend of the Blair Witch, as well as the three missing f- the students that are that go missing in the movie. So this is kind of like a a mockumentary type thing on on the myth of the Blair Witch and these you know these people that. Are, are missing and there's interviews in it and it's really really good and to me it's almost as good as the actual movie itself and it, it's such a great companion piece to it um, so if you do get the DVD or the Blu-ray uh, I highly recommend watching the movie and then watch Curse of the Blair Witch afterwards because you'd be surprised it doesn't it, again like Salem's Lot and Duel uh, it doesn't really feel like a made-for-TV movie to me. It feels like an extension of the Blair Witch Project, and uh, it's it's just really good. And there's some really really creepy parts in this thing. Uh, so I just thought I would include it in here. Forty-four, min- 44 minutes long is not necessarily a movie, but uh, it was good enough. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of people that have not seen that. I want to include that in here just so um, just to give it a shout out. Uh, so next up is. Trilogy of Terror, Parts 1 and Part 2. Now, most people know about Trilogy of Terror. Well, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people know about Trilogy of Terror. It came out in 1975, uh, directed by Dan Curtis, and it's a, it's a short story anthology movie starring Karen Black, and she's a different character in each movie. And Karen Black was, if you don't know who she is, she's uh, the mother in House of a Thousand Corpses, and uh, she's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, so if you see her face, you're like, oh, okay, I, I recognize her. Um, 
But Trilogy of Terror is uh, uh, it, it has a, a slight feel of a TV movie, but it really is cool. Especially, it's only seventy two minutes long. Uh, the best one of the bunch is uh, the last the last segment that deals with a Zuni uh, puppet doll that comes to life, and it's like this little African tribal type doll thing, and it's so creepy. And it's worthy of it, it. It's worth watching this movie strictly for that. But all of the other short stories in it are are good enough. I'm a sucker for a good anthology movie, and this one here, uh, it's not the best anthology movie I've ever seen by a long shot. But it's still really entertaining, and uh, it's it's worthy of a viewing, especially for that Zuni doll. That Zuni doll is great. And then this is in the days before the Puppet Master series and Child's Play and all of the killer doll things. Uh, this one here did it, and it did it really, really well. So um, if, you, if you've seen the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, like I said, it's worth watching it for that one segment. Uh, and briefly, I'm going to touch on Trilogy of Terror Part 2. Same director, Dan Curtis. This came out in 1996. I've only watched this movie one time when it came out in uh, around Halloween on in, in 1996, and I don't think it's ever got. I know it's never gotten a DVD release or Blu-ray release, of course. And even DVD release, I'm not 100 percent sure if it's even got a DVD release. If it would have, I would own the thing. Uh, this is a cool movie. Um, I remember the, the the Zuni doll makes another appearance in this. Uh, but the main one in this, uh, the main reason I liked this one was there was one story that dealt with rats and uh, this graveyard, uh, and, and I it's it's I don't remember it that good, but I remember, and this is only watched it one time back in 1996, and I just remember thinking that was such a scary, cool movie. Now nowadays it might be totally not scary and dated and not that good. I, I'm not sure, but back then. Uh, I thought it was it was really really cool, and I was probably like twenty twenty one, which makes me feel very old. But uh, I was impressed with 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 how much I liked that movie. So uh, anyway, hopefully, I actually now after this uh, after this taping, I might go and try and find a copy of this movie somehow or another, just so I can watch it again because I'd really like to to give it another spin. So uh, trilogy of terror part two. Uh, next up, actually, last one on my list. Uh, and I might mention a few other ones that I thought were were decent, uh, but but aren't quite up to to par with um, with the ones that I've listed. And that is Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. And Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Uh, let me just see here. I might have to pull this up uh, online. Uh, it was um, Larry Drake is is a uh, slightly retarded man in this movie and he's got a a group of town folk that think that he's a pedophile and so they go about uh, putting a stop to it in their own town justice type of way and um, his mother tries to protect him. I don't want to give too much away because this movie is so, so good and so well made. Uh, his mother tries to protect him, but to no avail. And um, without giving too much away, there's a reason the movie is called Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. 
because he does get his revenge to a certain extent, I guess. I, I again, I, I hesitate to uh, I hesitate to say a whole lot about it because it's so good it needs to be discovered. Came out in 1981, and another one that uh, it does not at all feel like a TV movie. Not even a little bit does this feel like like a TV movie. This feels like um, a great gothic horror movie. And this is again another one that I highly urge you, even if you're not um, not a horror fan, please check out Dark Knight of the Scarecrow because it is such a good movie. Uh, it, it even has it, it's more of a of a really good Twilight Zone episode stretched out to almost feature length because I, I yeah it's actually it's feature length it's ninety six minutes long. Um, so it it go in with go into it thinking okay this is going to be more like a a uh, a really good Twilight Zone episode. In fact, this was way better than anything that the Twilight Zone movie actually came out with. Uh, but it isn't gory at all. But it just man, it just gets under your skin and it's um, it's just scary and so so good. Uh, big big thumbs up, man. I thought that movie was fantastic. And that was one that I had never watched before. I bought that on Blu-ray strictly because of the uh, the reviews that the thing was getting and how everybody was saying this, you've got to see this movie. It's so so good. And I did and I, I was I was scared. Uh, and I watched this you know a couple of years ago for the first time and I'm like that's that's scary. I'm I'm creeped out. Um, the special features on the disc are also worthy of watching because it goes into the making of it and how they went above and beyond that TV feel uh, with the music and with the whole storyline and everything. Um, it, it's really, really good watching the special features on this thing. But I uh, highly recommend picking up the Blu-ray on this. It, it looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. Sounds fantastic. Extremely well acted. Um, why that didn't get a theatrical release is beyond me. I think that it was very, very worthy of uh, of a theatrical release. So, anyway, um, those are the best of the bunch for me. Now there are other ones that have that have come out that uh, that I've enjoyed. And in fact, uh, I, I am going to give some props to the Sci Fi Channel because you know a lot of the stuff that they come out with is not good. But there are some good movies that do come out from time to time on there, and I've seen them, um, and they're decent. Um, there's all there, and again, there's other channels out there too that are that are doing this. Um, there's one movie called uh, Five Senses of Fear, and I know that I have the Blu-ray of it, and I know that that one there came out. That was a, a cable TV release, and again, these are network television releases. The ones that I was, other than the Blair Witch. Uh, so once I start going into cable territory, it, it gets you know a little bit more tricky because there are so many movies out there. But um, the Five Senses of Fear is uh, an anthology movie, and it, a Chiller Television, I think, produced it, and Scream Factory released it, and uh, they also did The Monkey's Paw, which I thought was terrible. Um, most of the the movies that this Chiller Channel whatever does aren't that good. Um, and then I'm surprised. I'm continually surprised that Scream Factory decides to release these on Blu-ray because Scream Factory is kind of a a premier horror Blu-ray company, and so them releasing that it's like why. Uh, but Five Senses of Fear was actually a gem in the rough. Total, total gem in the rough. Every every single segment um, 
works great. Uh, and it's every, every segment is deals with a different sense. So sight, taste, touch, you know, all that. Um, and, and a couple of them don't work quite as good as the other ones do, but it's still immensely watchable. It's gory. Uh, it's played for dark laughs and, uh, it's really good. It has that sci-fi channel, new movie sheen to it, but, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in that movie. Good enough that I, I give that movie a recommendation for sure. Um, so, and there's some other ones too that I could go into from the sci-fi channel. And now we're getting, you know, now we're getting into more stuff that was worthy of a watch. Uh, but so often things will take you out of a movie that is essentially not that bad, but, uh, sci-fi channel is notorious for doing it. And that's lousy CGI effects. I don't know why they always have to do that. Uh, I do know why it's, it's obviously budget cost, budget cuts. Uh, you can, I'm sure bang out some cheap CGI effects versus spending a lot more time and crafting really good prosthetic effects. Now, having said that there, there have been some sci-fi channel movies that I've watched that, that do have some really good practical effects. And I, I give the, I give them props for doing that. Um, but more times than not, they do the cheesy CGI stuff where, you know, someone gets their head lobbed off and it's like PlayStation one blood pops out and it's so bad. And I, it's like, come on, you're taking me out of a movie that is otherwise fairly watchable. Um, one of my favorite ones from the sci-fi channel that CGI aside, see bad CGI aside is called the headless horseman. And it's exactly what, you think it is. It's about the Headless Horseman set in modern times and you've got your obnoxious teen college student, whatever, they come across the town where the Headless Horseman was and the townspeople are in on the whatever. Or he comes back and he starts killing them off. And it's um, the acting is fairly hammy, of course, and some of the CGI is terrible, of course, but the storyline is actually really good and um, it's, it's fast-paced. And I've actually, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I've actually watched that movie a couple times now. And each time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's not bad. I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, not kind of. I actually, I do enjoy it. So that was that's one of my favorite movies that the Sci-Fi Channel has churned out in recent years. Uh, and I've watched some other ones too. And again, most of them are almost unwatchable, and especially the creature feature stuff. Uh, I've given so many of those a try. The uh, you know Dino Croc and the the Sharknado. I I get it. Sharknado is an in joke. Okay, that's fine, but it's still a piece of trash. Um, but there's so many you know Mega Python versus versus whatever Giant Scorpion. There's all sorts, and none of them are really good. Um, a couple of them are mildly amusing, but it's. It's the same formula for every movie. We let's get a has-been actor and a cheap effects company to do the CGI for a, a very cheap-looking gigantic snake, and hire some for-rent actors, bang out a quick script, and there you go. And ugh. and it's unfortunate that even Roger Corman has gone down this this route now. He's they're pumping out. I mean, Corman is pumping out producing trash for sci-fi channel and it's like come on man you used to 
you were the guy that brought us those cool sci-fi movies from back in the 70s and 80s and Piranha and Death Race 2000 and the gothic uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff from way back when with Vincent Price. And now you're doing this? It's like, come on, you're better than that. Uh, but, you know, it, money talks. And, you know, it comes down to it's all about the money. And Sci-Fi Channel is paying these guys money to make movies. And um, I would rather I would rather see... Even movies that aren't good like that still being made and that there actually is a, a, a channel like the Sci-Fi Channel that is doing it. Um, just because it's – you never know. For every uh, for every dud, there is a movie like Dog Soldiers. And Dog Soldiers is another one that um, was essentially made for TV, but I'm not I, – I didn't include it on this list because this, this premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, and it, I think the budget was like $800,000, I think. Um, and obviously, I mean, that movie is fantastic. That is one of the best werewolf movies I've ever seen. And it, it holds up so good. But I'm not sure about uh, other territories if it got a, a theatrical release. And that's why I, I didn't really promote it here because um, it's more of a theatrical movie, in my opinion. To what extent, I'm not sure. Uh, it may have got a, a wider theatrical release over in over in Europe. I, I'm not sure. So... But I am giving it honorable mention as a movie that premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel over here and was fantastic. And here's one of the main reasons why it was fantastic. Practical effects, uh, actual werewolves, like guys in suits or something like that. I'm not sure how they pulled it off because it was so cool. Those are some of the best looking werewolves I've ever seen in any horror movie ever. Uh, It's more of a predator type movie where there's it's more... Uh, action-oriented, but it's gory, it's funny, well-acted, well-made. Neil Marshall, I put Neil Marshall on the map, and now he's directing episodes of my favorite TV show, Game of Thrones, um, and he's also made The Descent, which was fantastic, uh, and even Doomsday, which which is is trash. It's enjoyable trash. So, anyway, um, but that's that. Uh, I want to mainly focus on these older movies that I, I think are gems in the rough, and you should really check them out. So my time is up for the day. Again, highly recommend my movies here for you guys to watch. None of them are necessarily grindhouse-type movies, but all of them are worthy of watching. Uh, Trilogy of Terror 1 and 2, Salem's Lot. Again, make sure you watch the extended version. Uh, Steven Spielberg's Duel, Night of the, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, The Blair Witch uh, supplemental piece that's called The Curse of the Blair Witch. Um, all of them are grade A entertainment. Watch them as soon as you can. Fantastic stuff. Uh, so anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys, any movies I should watch or things you disagree with or things that you think are awesome. Uh, please chime in and make sure that you listen to my sister show Movie Freaks over at Movie Freaks Podcast on YouTube. Uh, we just got another episode uploaded that we taped on Sunday night, and uh, it was full of great horror stuff. So please, please, please check us out. Uh, we have a great time doing the show, and um, I appreciate anybody listening to that show and this show as well. And then, of course, our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks doing their thing. Um, they love movies. We love movies. We all love movies, and we love talking about movies. So anyway, that's it for the day. Thanks again. I'm Eugene Weaver, and until next time.